Amen. Don't get attached to this world. It's not your home. It's truly not your home. Get your wedding planner, which is the word of Almighty God, and get ready. Get ready. Don't get caught up in the news and the elections and all. Do your part, but do not get caught up in it. Look, Revelation 19.7 says this. Let us be glad and rejoice. Give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Listen, and his wife hath made herself ready. His wife. Who's the wife? The church. The true believer. Now, if you're not a true believer and you're just going to church, you've got to do some things first. You don't even have your gown. You've got to go buy it. You've got to get set up, ready to go. But it's, uh, the, the people of God, the true people of God, is the bride of Christ. It really is. I have married a lot of couples here at New Hope. I mean, and I have never seen any bride ever nonchalantly about it, about the stuff, about getting ready, picking flowers. We have to come here even maybe before the rehearsal and do this, and I'm going to stand over there and have people over there, and is this okay, and that's okay, and can we come over there, and can we go out this way, is it all right if this... I mean, they're into it. They're into planning about getting married. Her gown, her veil, shoes, the colors like I mentioned, her hair, her hair, jewelry, the rings, over and over and over. And you can tell usually when someone's getting married because usually one of the first things they do is what? Look! Right? Look! I'm engaged. Are you, are you engaged to Christ? Amen. Are you really, truly Amen. engaged to Christ? Now, might sometimes us men have a hard time wrapping our head around that because we're the man and we have a desire for a woman and we give the ring. Well, you can compare that to what Christ does for you, men. It's true. You and I are going to be the bride of Christ. In the beginning, I thought, how weird. Now, here I am all these years later, and I'm like, I'm getting ready. I'm ready. Amen. You can have this old goofy world. They're getting goofier as the day goes by. Hosea 2.19 says this, And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yes, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness, in judgment, and in loving kindness, and in mercies. We're going to go over scriptures for all to understand that this is gospel, that I'm giving you the truth, that you are going to be the bride of Christ if you've accepted the Lord Jesus truly in your heart and become a child of God. God says, oh, then get ready. Get ready, because I'm coming back for you. Isaiah 62, 4 says this, Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. And I believe there's a lot of people feel forsaken in our land, probably every day, more and more across the world. Neither shall thy land any more be termed a desolate, but thou shalt be called Hezbollah, and the land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. My people, my country, my chosen, my land shall be married. That word Hezbollah is, my delight is in her. God's just like, nah, all right, I'll take that one. No, it's like my delight is in her. I love her. Woo, wow, awesome. Yes, he does. Hallelujah. It's what the Lord thinks about you. And I know that we have a hard time hearing that, just understanding that because of your uh, response. God's going to get pumped for me. 
well, we're told to walk by faith, right? <laughs> so walk by faith and believe that. God is going to get pumped. He is pumped for you to be his bride. And that word blue means married. That's what it is. Verse 5 says, For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. Listen, And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over you. God is pumped to get married to you. He's been waiting a long time. Look what he's gone through. Look what he sacrificed and gave up in order to have the opportunity to marry you. Jeepers, you've got to get that. 2 Corinthians 11.2, Paul tells us this, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste, pure virgin to Christ. That's what he wants. Isn't that what every man wants? Clean, pure, honest woman to love and to cherish. And that's what God says. Paul says, this is what I want to do. Present you as a chaste, pure virgin to Christ. That word espoused means engaged. Listen, if you are engaged, you're unavailable. For anybody else. You got that? Oh, yeah. Lots of times in jest and stuff like that through life or our long marriage, Ruth and I have been blessed with, I'll tap her on the ring and say, that means you're mine. Oh, mine. They can look, but they can't touch. You're mine. Isn't it true? Well, the Lord says you and him are engaged. The world can't touch you, can't be messing with you. You can't permit the world to be messing with the Lord's engaged woman. How crazy is that? So anytime our hearts do something or are hooked on something other than God, we're committing spiritual adultery. Amen. You are committing spiritual adultery. Now look, if you're proclaiming you're engaged and your husband finds out you're in spiritual adultery or physical adultery, most likely he's going to say, I don't want her. She's given herself to the world. She's polluted. She's supposed to be just mine, untouched. Amen. This is what the Lord wants from his church, his people. You can't be running around and doing what you want if you are engaged to marry Christ. You can't be connected and engaged to the world and its things and its stuff. You can't. I don't want Ruth engaged in all the filth of the world and still say, I'm yours. I'll be going, nah, I don't know about that. I don't know. Who's that bum? Amen. Absolutely. Any man that's worth his salt should be like that. So therefore, I'm engaged to Christ. That makes me unavailable. Unavailable. Got a letter the other day, just handwritten from Jehovah Witness. Didn't know what it was. Opened it up and went, eh, unavailable. I'm married. You're too late. I'm already engaged. Jeremiah 3.14 simply says, for I'm married to you. You don't need that to find, do you? So it says, for I am married unto you. I am married unto you, is what the Lord's. This is the Lord's feelings towards you, his bride. 
Isaiah 61, 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Listen, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. It's always awesome to see how beautiful the bride is. This gown, that gown, long train, half a train, whatever they, they do, all these different gowns. But listen, it, even as goofy and as awful it is out there, and there is a sadness to it, but you should have known from the beginning your wedding planner has told you this is not your home. Amen. Don't be setting down roots here. You're passing through. You're just a pilgrim. I got a better place for you. He said, and I have gone, and I've been working on it for a long time, and if I go, guess what? I'm coming back. And guess why I'm coming back? For you! For my bride! Coming back for you! When I first come out here to Ohio to, to find a job way back in 84, 83, somewhere around there, and as soon as I worked my last hour or minute for that shift and had a day or two off, I was gone, heading back to my bride. Hit 70, and I'm gone. Wanted to go back. I'm not like, eh, I'll see Ruth next week. No way. No way. How exciting. There's going to be a wedding. There's going to be a wedding, and I'm going to be in it. Now, the Jewish wedding, there's three stages. It's kind of interesting. We're not going to spend a lot of time in this, just to let you know. The first was the engagement. Have you accepted Christ? Have you bowed your knee to the Lord and your will and said, you know what, Lord? I've lived long enough trying to make my own decisions. I want you to come into my life. I'm not talking about going to church, becoming religious, keeping holy days. I'm talking about truly accepting the Lord and having a relationship, getting to know Almighty God. And putting your finger out and saying, yes, I want to be engaged. To you, yes. Absolutely. First was the engagement, a formal agreement made by the fathers. That's what they did. The second stage was the betrothal, the ceremony where mutual promises are made. Now, she's no longer available. Nope. She's mine. She's, been, she's made that committed, commitment. And the third was the marriage. It's the Jewish. It was the engagement, the betrothal, and then the marriage. And usually the marriage is somewhere around one year later. Now, you know about this. It says when the bridegroom came, it's unexpected. It's unexpected for the bride. I mean, that's a little bit weird, but that's the way it is. It's the way God set it up. You know why, too, right? He didn't want to set it up for July 1st, 2021, because you'd be a goofball all the way up until July 1st, 20. You'd be doing, oh, what you'd want, you'd be running around in the slop in the pig pen, and then you'd be getting close, you'd be taking a shower Saturday night. The Lord's coming back tomorrow. No, no, no. So he just says, I'm coming back. Your job is to get ready, to be faithful, to be holy, walk sure, be adorned properly, and have your white gown, and I'm coming back for you. Sweet. So Matthew 25, this tells us this. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you all to meet him. Now, how our brides get ready now, if they're just going about life 
And all of a sudden, you hear the cry, the groom is here, he shows up in his tux and his flowers and everything, and then there's you. Unprepared, in your sweats, hair and curlers, if they use curlers anymore. I mean, that, that's what happens to us in the spiritual yep. realm. And that means then you're, you're not ready. You have to live in, a, in a, a realm of being ready, a readiness all the time for the Lord, even though you might be raising four children, two children, one child might have no children. You might be uh, doing this or here or going there or flying over there. You must be ready Amen. at all times. That's where God wants it. He set it up. And last I knew, it was the Lord who died, not you. So he set it up the way he wants. He did. If you, you don't like this, that's too bad. This is the way it is. Amen. This is the way he planned it. All you got to do is look at his wedding planner. Yep. That's all you got to do. Check out his wedding planner. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 tells us this, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. I mean, that actually can happen right now. Are you ready to get married right now? Do you have your gown on, your shoes on, your jewelry on? And when the Lord look at you and go, man, she's awesome. <laughs> For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, that's the man. That's the marriage. That's it. Do you understand that the, 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 the conversion of a soul is the marriage of the soul to Christ? That's what it is. 1 Corinthians 15.52 says this is going to happen in a moment. In a twinkling of an eye. This is what the church calls the rapture. It's going to happen. Bam! And it's going to be over. Now, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work. We might be changed in a twinkling of an eye. Just twinkle your eye. That's how fast and we might slowly go up. But we're going to be changed in an instant. In a twinkling, a boom, and a voice of an archangel, and power changed, and we're going to be going up for God forever. And this can happen at any time because the bridegroom is already getting ready. He's getting ready. Are you getting ready? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump will sound and the dead will raise uncorruptible and we shall be changed. In a blink of an eye. You see, so it's not going to be time for you to jicky-jack around and say, I'll get ready later. Or I'm too young now, I'll do it when I'm old like you. Yep. You're not going to have time. You're just not. You have to be getting ready. Look here. I've never performed a wedding where the man wanted to make all the decisions. Never. I just never have. Typically, typical man could care less about flowers. I don't, I don't care. You want them? Okay. Or, or, or the colors. Oh, no, no, man, I wanted, I could care less. I mean, just truly, I never saw a guy like that or who's partner with who. You got Sally, you have Bill, you have... No, there's no, I've never come across a guy who said, no, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't like that. And here's why. Because to the groom, the bride is the prize and the treasure. That's what it is. 
It's not the flowers. It's her day. Give her her day. Show her all the love you can. But she's mine. That's the treasure and the gift. And that's the way the Lord thinks about you. Amen. And man, and we're standing here just about every groom, if you, unless you forget, every groom that's standing here by me and they haven't seen their bride to be, and all of a sudden she comes out, cracks the doorway, turns this, and coming down here, I always go, there's your treasure, just yours. Look how beautiful your bride is. And then I always tell them, go get your bride. And I've never crossed one go, nah, that's not quite what I thought. <laughs> no, they have wept, they have fight to hold back tears. Everything, they were anxious, they couldn't believe the day was coming. Here she's coming, get this, and she's coming down, and I've told Ruth this throughout her life. No matter where she goes, wherever she walks, she comes back, she finds me and comes to me, out of all the people. And I said, there she is coming to you. And that's the way your Lord thinks about you. That's why he's compared it to, with the marriage that we have. So I made a list of important things, some important things, that we need to think about. And of course, obviously, the first one is the engagement ring. That starts it. And hopefully you have yours. I hope you do. Because it starts with putting on the ring. Yes, Lord. You will be mine and only mine, and I will be yours. You and I are one. Because that's what God says, that two hearts shall come together and become one. And that's what the Lord wants with his bride. To the engagement ring, that's where it starts. And again, Second Corinthians says, For I have espoused you to one that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, engaged, unavailable. She's mine. Amen. And I'll be back for you. But you're mine while I'm gone. Remember that. So that conversion of that time of that soul is your marriage to Christ. That's when you become married, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And he slips that ringer on your finger and says, you're mine. The price he paid to put that ring on your finger is amazing. Did you ever think of that? You know, we always look at, you know, one carat diamond, two carat. Woo, that's expensive. Woo, wow. And we all kind of, not right, but we always compare that how much he must really love you. But how, much must, how much did Christ really love you? Holy. His life, his sinless, precious blood is what it took to buy that ring to put on your finger. Goodness gracious. So Song of Solomon 2.16 says, My beloved is mine and I am his. That's what that ring means. She's mine. So that should be enough proof about you're getting married. If you're Christ's, you have to figure out whether you're engaged or not to Christ as we go on. Second, I just pick shoes. Shoes are important, even though you might not see them. But I always talk to the brides about shoes, what kind of shoes you're wearing. I've seen all kinds. I've seen flip-flops. I've seen uh, uh, slippers. I've seen sneakers, tennis shoes, flats, a little bit of heels. We always talk about them because I don't want you tripping and falling flat in your face when you're trying to get yourself married. I don't want you falling flat in your face when you're waiting for Christ for your wedding day. You understand what I'm talking about? A lot of times when our brides would come down and they have these big gowns and 
certain kind of slip underneath, I forget what they're called, and if you have little heels on, sometimes they walk up and they step on their heel, or their, their dress, and their heel goes right through their slip, and they're stuck. We actually had one stuck. <laughs> and if you get stuck in the world, you're going to miss your wedding day. You really are. I mean, it was embarrassing. The whole service had to stop. We had to kind of go over there and lift her heel up and rip the slip off so she could get married. It's very important what shoes you have on. It's very important how you walk while you're waiting to get married, even coming to get married. I mean, it, it truly is. It's very scary sometimes how we walk around. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty four says this, He make my feet like hinds' feet. Do you understand why? Because he knows there's a lot of tricks, a lot of traps by the enemy, and God is saying, no big deal. I'll make your feet like hinds' feet. You'll be able to handle everything and anything he throws at you. Look at that. That's a sheer cliff. Some type of goat. He's licking salt. God says, I'll give you hind's feet. There isn't anything, any reason for you not to make it to your wedding day. Hallelujah. None whatsoever. Did you already have the other one up there, Michael? Check this one out. Those are sheer cliffs. You can Google those images. It's impossible to do that. But God gives them certain kind of hooves, hinds feet, where they do that and they lick minerals off the side of the mountain, the only way to get them, and they don't fall. God says, that's what I'll do. I'll give you hind. You're not going to come to your wedding day all tarnished and messed up and tell God, I couldn't help myself. I just couldn't do it. There's no way. God says, are you kidding me? Check those feet I have given you. I gave you those perfect shoes so you'd make sure you could come to me unstained, unblemished, just mine. Hallelujah. When Jennifer got married, Ruth bought special shoes. I come across them every year. We still have them. I think they just celebrated 22 years. They're in a bag and they're special and they're a certain color. And, and that's what God gives. He gives us special shoes so that we can jump and not fall. Romans 13, 13 says, let us walk honestly. Walk is go about life. Raising your children, working, fixing a car if it doesn't work, whatever it is, just the compass of, of walking or living. And he says, do it honestly as a Christian, as his bride. I don't want to come back for my bride and she's talking like a truck driver or a sailor. Oh, whatever. I, no way. I don't. I don't. And often I've told Ruth, maybe I'm weird, but that's where I am. I don't want that. I don't want her coming up to me and going, hey, it's bigger than yours. I want a woman. I want a soft, beautiful uh, woman that God has made for me, just for me. Untouched by the world. Walk honestly. It means in a seemingly manner, decently. Decently, as in the day, not in rioting, not in drunkenness, not in chambering, which means running around in every bed someone has for you. Or wantonness, nor strife, or an envy. 
That word walk means conduct oneself, and as God is away preparing a place for his bride, that's how he wants you to act. Seemingly pure, holy, conducting yourself right to where he comes back to marry you, and others go for the term, better term. Man, he's lucky to have her. Jeez. Absolutely. New Living Translation says this, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. It's a testimony. As it gets more filthy and more crooked, your holiness and purity will be like a beacon in this fallen world. Decent lies for all to see says don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living and quarreling and jealousy. Man, who in their right mind wants to be married to that? I don't. And I'm just a fallen dude fighting to stay saved. I don't want that. The king of glory? He's not going to take that. He's not. Do you understand? There's a group of people that sit in church that say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, what? Who are you? I don't know you. Remember the other? He, he created a, a feast and a marriage. And what happened? A uh, friend. Why? How come you don't have the robe on that I supplied? I just thought I'd come do my thing. This is a cool party, dude. What? Oh, get out. I don't know you. These are people who think they have the passageway to heaven. Mm. You know, you are most blessed because you're hearing this and can figure it out before it happens. You understand that? You can figure this out. You go get God's mirror, not yours. Go get God's mirror, set it up, and then stand in front of it. And check your gown out. See if you need it pressed. Or if you need another one. Or maybe you thought was a cool gown. Isn't at all a gown. You see, we replace everything so we can do what we want. Yes, it's perfect. Oh, it looks so awesome. And God's going to go to you. I don't know you. Do you understand? He supplied a robe for you. Righteous robe from Christ. The crucifixion of God. And he's given it to everyone to put on. And you come to his gathering without the robe? Mm -mm. You're going to be tossed. Mm -mm. So you are blessed today to hear this. Check your wardrobe out. Throw shoes out. You know what? These shoes take me down the wrong path every time I put them. I'm not going there anymore. I'm done with them. You have to. Oh, goodness, yes, you have to. Romans 6, 4 says this. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, listen, even so we also should walk in newness of life. What a baptism. It's a type, a type, a shadow 
of what was coming. You go down in the water, which is a type of the grave, and you come back up. God is wanting you to know that when you accept Christ, your old man goes down, and you ask Jesus into your heart, up comes a new man. It's not just a water baptism thing. It's not just some sacrament. Something awesome happens. It does. And so God lays it out in Romans 6, 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should be walking in newness of life. That's what the Lord wants. An old sinner, dragged, whorish type person goes down and comes up a beautiful, pristine, holy, godly bride for Christ. You see, things do change. They're supposed to change. It's supernatural. You can't do it yourself. So if you're just faking to be the bride or have an imitation ring on, or a second-bought gown, ain't going to work. You're not going to have the power within. That's what we call religion. If you want that, more power to you. So this part in Romans, Paul's point is clear. Something dramatic and life-changing happens in the life of a believer, a true believer. You can't die and raise again without changing your life. You can't. You can't. You can go through the baptism. You can tell me all the right answers and we can baptize you, but no, no real change because it's not in your heart. It's not. Again, Second Corinthians tells us, therefore, if any man be in Christ, meaning you've accepted the ring, you've said yes to the Father. Yes. As God comes, knocks on your heart, and says, will you love me? Will you be mine? And I will be yours. You have to tell him yes. And when you say yes, then the scripture says, for if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's what God wants. Brand new untouched, unpolluted bride, brand new. And God will do it for you. You can't do it, but he'll do it. So what shoes are you walking in? What paths are they leading? Third one I just happened to choose was jewelry, adornment, glory. Lots of times when I would go down to the, and knock on the door, and can I come in? And the bride would say, come in, and you about ready? I'm just getting my necklace on. One of the last things is the, the glory, the adornment that they're putting on. The world calls it the bling, I guess. Here's what Peter says. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Amen. Man, it's easy to put a piece of jewelry on. Whole different story to be honest and godly pure. It's easy to put the sparkly stuff on. God knew that, so through the Spirit of God, by Peter, he said, don't let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. I don't want Ruthie going, oh yes, I'll be honest with you, I'll love you until the day I die, no one else will. 
putting all this stuff on. No way, I want it in the heart. I want it from her heart. Her faithfulness to me. Don't let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Verse 4 says, rather, listen to this. This is pretty something you can easily miss. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a Gentile and quiet spirit. Listen here. Which is very precious in the sight of God. And through the years, all the various dresses maybe Ruthie has bought, sometimes I'll say, man, that is my favorite. I love that one. That's awesome. And normally that will cause her to wear it some more, more often. Because she knows it's very pleasing. It's something that her husband really loves. That's what this is saying. God says, when, when you go to the closet, let me tell you what I really love. When you put on that dress, when you put on that gentle and quiet spirit, oh my God, I just love that on you. that's what this says which is very precious in the sight of God that's part of getting ready if you fail in that area whatever reason it is you got to say God you got to help me get ready get ready I don't want to be belligerent I don't want to be quick mouth when you're around quick with my tongue no I want to be something you desire that you long for The jewelry, the adornment, the outward. God says, anybody can put a piece of gold on. So that's what the Lord is talking about. The inner beauty of a godly woman is incorruptible. That means it doesn't decay or get worse with age. It doesn't. The body does. Oh, goodness. The body does. It's annoying sometimes. It, it really is. But the inner beauty, it doesn't, it doesn't get corrupt. Inner beauty doesn't hobble up steps or, or takes it easy trying to come down. Man, it just, up it goes. Absolutely. It doesn't decay. It doesn't get worse with age. Instead, the actual incorrupt beauty only gets better with age. It does. Actually, it's therefore much greater value than the beauty of the outward is the inward, the sweetness of a person, their sweetness of the perfume and the fragrance of their love for each other, their love for God. Even though they can't do the various things they used to do. Ephesians 4.25 says this, Wherefore, putting away lying. Who wants to marry someone that's always lying to them? I mean, what kind of life would that be? Ruthie says, you know, I'm just going to take take a ride. I want to go to uh, Gabriel's, Gabe's. And she leaves and I go, she going there. She lying again. Oh, what a horrible life that would be. 
So God says, therefore, then put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one another. Be angry and sin not. There are times where you can be upset, but God says, do it right. And then he goes, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. God is expecting a change. These are the adorning of, of various changes that happen to a person when they become engaged in Christ and accept the Lord and things start to happen and change. Some are miraculous right away and some take time. Just the way it is. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather, let him labor, work, work, work. If you want to drive your dad to the brink, be about 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and not work. You know, the, the loving dad who would say, open up, here comes your Cheerios. <laughs> Well, when you're that age, he's going to be saying, open up. Yep. <laughs> right? Isn't it true, man? I mean, if you're old enough to be there, and when your son's coming home and he's beaten, you're pumped full of pride for him. My son is becoming a man. He's working. He's pulling his own. Not just laying around wanting fed. Fourth one is the veil. How about the veil? Listen, the whole idea of the veil is Acts 20, verse 19. It says, serving the Lord with all humility, being humble, not a limelighter. Oh, my gosh. Through the umpteen years that I've been in the Lord, various people who have played various instruments, oh, my gosh, the last thing you want is a limelighter up here. Oh, I, I call them peacocks because they like to be seen. The last thing you want, I think, makes God vomit. Seriously. And that's what the Lord, the veil. You don't want to throw it back and show off your beauty. And No, God wants you to humbly come before him. You have nothing to offer God. Amen. You have nothing to offer God. Do you understand that? You really don't. So humility is a deep sense of one's, listen, of one's littleness. I don't care what you can do, what you can create with your mind or hands. No, you've got to go before God. Because you understand God gave you that mind and them hands. Some of you can grab a blank piece of paper and draw something. And so how do you do that? I have paper. I have a pencil, I have a hand. How do you do that? Hmm. It's just, just a gift, is it not? God says, littleness of mind. You lose that littleness of mind, you've lost it. You really have. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one, that's almighty, that's what he says, that inhabiteth eternity, he inhabits eternity where you're wanting to stay. He says this, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him. Here's the key. 
This is who he wants to dwell with, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God's saying, that's who I want to hang with. It was the sin of pride that got Lucifer, the great morning star, thrown out of heaven. Oh, it's a scripture in Proverbs. It has to do, wherever there's contention, it's because of pride. Might be Proverbs 13, 10. Do you understand that is? You and your wife are going at us because of pride. Ain't because of the toothpaste or the potty papers on backwards. <laughs> it's because of pride when you're going at it. No matter what it is, if it's a big thing or small thing, contention is because of pride. Is what it says. God hates pride. Absolutely hates it. So wearing a veil is also known as a head covering. Covering yourself is seen in a sign of humility before God. That's what it is. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, lowliness of mind before God. We used to sing a song years ago, At Your Feet. Remember? It's about all I can remember about that song. At Your Feet. Meaning that's all you should see because you should be prone on your face humbling yourself before God you see his feet you see his knees and ankles you're too high stay humble before God God will take you to places you've never seen before in your life Jeremiah 9 24 says this but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone here's where your boasting is that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord that's where your boasting is not how good you are, how bad you are, your car, your golf score, how nice you look, your figure, your home. God says, you want to boast? Boast in this, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love, who brings justice and righteousness to earth, that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Hallelujah. Woo. There ain't nothing you can say about that other than amen. That's all you can say. You want to boast? God says, boast in me. Yeah. Okay, the last, maybe our band can make their way, and not least, is the gown. The gown. You all should know what that means, right? White represents purity. The gown. Ephesians 5.27 says that he may present it to himself, a glorious church. Do you understand? God wants to present you himself. Even as I preach this and I think about me and my failures and shortcomings and all these years, I think, geez, God, how can... But he, this is, he's telling us all this. So you must believe it. Overcome the, the heart that condemns you because God is greater than your heart, the Bible says. So God is saying to you that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot. And when you 
get spotted by the world or you trip up or fail and you ask God to forgive you, God comes with his sponge and just cleans you back up again because he says, you know, you and I are going to get married someday. I'm almost done and I'm coming back and I'm going to present you to myself. You're going to be beautiful. And you'll be like me. You'll be going, me? You want me, Lord? Oh, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I love you. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You're going to stand before God. You're going to be absolutely perfect. Because God took care of you. You can't stumble with hind's feet. Are you ready? Maybe you're preparing for the wedding day has slacked. It seems like all the spiritual stuff we slack off. I mean, I really have never seen a bride. Usually these things got bookmarkers in every one places and written all through. And they got this thing to put wherever page you left off and they're just worn out and the real wedding planner sometimes not too used not too written in marked because we have a spiritual enemy that wants to keep you out of this last thing the enemy wants you to do is to plan for the wedding it's the plan to marry Christ are you kidding he wants you damned. He wants you running. He wants you missing when that day comes that you're not at the altar. That the groom, the Lord, standing there and saying, where's my beloved? Where's the one whom my life longs for? John says this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. It's the word of Jesus. He says this, In my Father's house are many mansions. Listen to what he says, If it were not so, i tell you. I'm not lying to you, the Lord says. I'd tell you if there wasn't. But there is. There are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. That's what the groom should be doing. Even if it's just a two-room apartment at once. I tell our young people, man, I'd put Ruthie in some places that were scary, but she'd make it look beautiful. And the Lord says, I am right now working on a place. More people have been moving in lately. Sweet people that we've loved. Ron Holscher. Bob Monette. Larry Gregg, Doris Du, John, Hajar, Rowena. Man, the Lord says, I'm putting, I'm getting them all ready. I got many more coming. That's what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. So he's coming. He's coming on that wedding day. To receive you unto myself, and here's why. Because where I am, there you may be also. We'll be together. Amen. That's what's awesome. 
I tell Ruth all the time. I said, well, how can we mess up everything God has done? This is awesome. I can come home, have my own sweet wife right there. Every day, as long as I live, right there. Share dinners together, play games together, go somewhere together, sleep together, nurse each other. It's perfect setup. And God says, that's what we're going to have. Where I am, oh man, you're going to be there also. And this place is going to be perfect. Absolutely perfect. So Jesus spoke with complete confidence about heaven. He wasn't saying we're ifs or I hope I'm ready or complete confidence. Here heaven is spoken of as his father's house. I go to prepare a place for you. Love prepares. Prepares a welcome. Ruthie loves having people over. Love having people over and up to the last minute. We're always arranging. She's always doing something to this. Turn that light. Put the candles on. Okay, put ice in the cups now. She loves having. You don't come to our place and Ruth's going, oh, is that tonight? I forgot. Never, ever, ever. Jesus prepares a place for his people because he loves them. And he's confident that they're coming. We're going to sing that song again. I'd like you to stand. and Maybe the song will mean a little bit more to you. And I was so pumped because when I walked in, I told you, oh boy, this is a dumb message. How do I get out of this, Lord? And, and next thing I hear, Emma singing, get ready, get ready. The marriage, the wedding. I thought, oh my gosh, Lord. This is what you want. And as they sing, remember the scripture again. Opening text, Revelation 19, 7. Let us be glad and rejoice. Give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready. If you've been slacking off, get cleaned up. Come to this altar and let the Lord wash out the spots. Let him press out the wrinkles. Get your heart right. Get the shoes on. Get the ones off that are taking you to the wrong places. Stop adoring with the outward and say, Lord, please do something with my temper. Do something with my heart. That's getting ready. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. The wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints oh don't miss out don't stand before God without your robe altars are open please let's sing that song again